0: Welcome to the Legal Creatives podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest and the most inspirational concepts and projects and discuss some of the most powerful ideas for the transformation of the legal industry. This podcast is brought to you by Legal Creatives, the school for the transformation of legal services. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Coming all the way from Australia, he's the founder and director of Law Squared, a completely innovative uh, law firm and such a great approach. So today, excited to speak with uh, Dimitro Zema about his entrepreneurial approach to uh, providing uh, businesses the best legal teams in the market and ensure that clients also receive the highest quality legal advice and support. So welcome to the show, Dimitro. Thanks so much for being here.
2: That's a wrap. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Great. So to get started, maybe we'd like to share a few words about, uh, you know, who you are, what you do, who you serve uh, with Law Squared. So we get to know a little bit more about, uh, yeah, what you do.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so Law Squared is uh, a law firm, but we like to classify ourselves as the business that delivers legal services. Um, we currently have offices in Melbourne, Sydney, uh, Brisbane in Australia, and then, of course, in London in the UK. Uh, That's a relatively new uh, expansion for us uh, in 2022. Uh, We have a team of 40 uh, across four key practice groups. So um, commercial, corporate, litigation, workplace relations and employment uh, and digital innovation. So uh, obviously do a lot of work um, with big businesses, in-house counsel teams, understand how they can be more effective in the way they work. But of course, offer them a true alternative to the traditional law firm model, which no doubt we'll talk lots about today. Um, yeah. as a business we are seven years old we just had our seventh birthday last week which is really exciting
1: Congratulations! Um, and i feel like
2: we're literally going through the primary school ages of you know growth and development uh from being a toddler you know walking to kind of getting to our own independence which is really exciting
1: that's so great and so tell us a little bit about what makes low squared so different from uh traditional uh, law
2: yeah, it's a big question. We could be here all day just talking about. It. I'm sure
1: the list is long, but so let's <laughs> let's let's pick a few. <laughs>
2: yeah, if we take some of the fundamentals, so um, you know, traditional law firms are, are based often around partnership models uh, and based around individual gain, often at the expense of others. So, what do I mean by that? Not necessarily in a a negative frame, but it is a pyramid scheme, which means that you effectively have you know a partner, senior associates, associates, lawyers, graduates. And by using leverage, you effectively, one, generate revenue, but also, to deliver clients um, with their work. The fundamental underlying um, revenue model for a traditional law firm is based around time recording, and that is that every lawyer is based from their measurement or the performance measurement based on the amount of time in which they bill and revenue they generate for a business. The second fundamental thing around a law firm is, again, that partnership structure. So... Um, partners often have the control, have the kind of relationship with the clients, uh, are the mentors, the leaders, the guiders, um, and the decision makers. Um, and often you need to wait for your time to kind of get up there. At Law Square, we don't subscribe to that model at all. So we come from a foundation um, that we are equal and that we deserve to kind of deliver a client outcome by leveraging different experiences uh, and expertise and bringing those expertise and experiences together to work with a client as opposed to just assuming that the oldest person in the room has all the skills that they need, such as being a mentor, being a leader, being a good technician, um, being a good relationship manager. Often that's not right. Very few people have all those characteristics. And often most people don't want to have all those characteristics. So how do you take all those things, put them together as a series of people and help deliver an outcome for a client? We don't have any time within our business. So no time as a measure of performance and or billing. We're the only law firm we know globally of our size. Um, who don't have any time. I wish there were others, but we don't currently have or know of any others. It's a fundamental radical shift in not only the way in which we bill our clients, it changes the way in which we performance, manage and work with our team. It also changes the overall culture of our business because it doesn't mean that your value is your financial contribution to the business. Your value is so many other things. Um, And so those two things alone are kind of things that are markedly different from us as a business. And as a result of that, you can kind of see how those cultural shifts, those cultural changes, really set us apart from many other law firms globally.
1: Yeah, I love that. And so curious to know a little bit about uh, the benefits that this new approach to practicing the law and serving clients. Uh, what are those benefits? Uh, maybe let, let's start with the with the staff. I mean, uh, you've mentioned uh, you've mentioned uh, the staff is not. Uh, you Know it's not being evaluated based on the uh, how many hours they, 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 they bill because it's a completely new uh, pricing value based pricing model, which we'll talk as well. But, uh, yeah, what are the changes that what are the benefits that it has for the staff and for the clients as well, Dimitro?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think if we look at a client perspective, um, it means that they first and foremost have cost certainty, right? Um, we don't know. It. You know, most law firms, unfortunately, find themselves in cross disputes quite often. Uh, they fail to kind of change their estimates with their clients, and they don't share any risk with the client. So, so long as there is any time spent with a client or on a client matter, then the law firm are rewarded for that. You know, they charge the time and the client pays for that. There is no risk sharing in that approach. And we see a lot of the negativities around lawyers and um, the reputation we have around uh, being a lawyer is often a negative one. Very few people that ever say or share a positive story about a lawyer. In fact, most lawyers sometimes feel a bit bad when they're at a dinner table meeting people for the first time on a Saturday night with you know partner and friends, and people say, "Oh, what do you do?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm a lawyer." Somebody always makes a joke, which is annoying, about you know money-hungry, greedy. Don't charge me for that. You know we have a reputation as lawyers, which is a negative one. If we think about the foundations of why I started Law Square, we have one mission, which is to change the conversation that people have about lawyers. We want somebody to be sitting at a dinner table and be like, no, I'm a lawyer and I'm proud to be a lawyer at Law Squared, and this is why. Equally, I want somebody else to say, I have a really good story about a lawyer and start to share some more positive stories because as lawyers, we're good humans. There are many great examples of lawyers doing wonderful things. But unfortunately, we lose lawyers from the profession for all those reasons that I said before. The competitiveness, the um, billable hour, the financial metrics, the requirement that eventually you must want to become a business owner to go up the pyramid. And if you just want to be a good technician, then unfortunately it doesn't necessarily reward you in the same way as somebody who wants to have ownership. So if you take all of that, then the benefits to the client is that they get a really good, open and transparent relationship with their lawyer, with their law firm. It means that if we scope out a a piece of work, that they will always know what their maximum legal cost exposure is. And again, we don't know any other firm that is willing to offer that. If you also take that kind of notion of cost certainty, and also it means there is a genuine relationship there, so it also means that the lawyers and the client can actually spend time having conversations, learning about one another, and know that it's not based around a financial metric or a financial reward for that. You know, we've all been on the phone, you know, in traditional practices where we've had the first five-minute conversation about the weekend, and then five-minute conversation about work, and yet we charge two billable units on based on a six, you know, increment six-minute increment um, time sheet. That conversation despite less than six minutes being part of a call it's almost disingenuous in the way we can build those relationships so taking that all those other positives aside really focusing on a positive relationship for the client make sure the client has cost certainty is definitely some of the key benefits from a lawyer perspective it means that one we get to keep more lawyers in the profession two they have a much better culture and environment that they otherwise won't get in traditional law practice Particularly if they don't have any intention or aspiration of becoming a partner or becoming a business owner. Most lawyers, good technicians, they're nice people. They just want to do good work in a good environment, working with people that they like and doing work that they like. And unfortunately, the traditional law firm model doesn't provide that environment because it does require people to be competitive against one another. And yes, you might be friends, but there's always this undercurrent. There's 60 grads and two partners for a reason, right? And so from a law Euro perspective, if you think about removing all of that. Just what a wonderful culture you can cultivate of people who actually want to be there, working together, trying to achieve a client outcome. It's pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah, absolutely love that. And I think uh, there there's many lawyers who can uh, relate to what you say in the sense that the traditional law firm model is uh, is like really, you know, crushing. Uh, is really a crushing uh, experience for for many mm-hmm. lawyers, right? And uh, the yeah. young generation as well, but even more experienced lawyers who start to think also there must be another way, but it seems that nobody really has found another way or maybe has dared to actually, you know, change things. And so this is why yeah. I'm so excited to talk to you about your experience and mm-hmm. how you've changed things or how you actually created from scratch something completely new. And so I'm curious to know about this uh, new uh, business model that is giving so much cost predictability to the client. Uh, mm. How do you actually do that? Uh, how do you actually price legal services at law Uh What are the metrics you use or how do you make the estimates? Um, because it's so new, I think everyone wants to know if you can share.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Everyone's always asking that question in fact, and I spoke at a conference on Monday here in Australia in Canberra, and I had a, a much older demographic in the room, and they were just completely dismissive of a value-based pricing approach, which I find quite interesting and uh, almost hilarious sometimes. Because as a business, you know, like I said before, we're seven years old. Something is working, you know. Like you know, they don't need to prove why it works. Uh, but again, fundamentally, when you have a true relationship with your client, you understand the cost limitations. You can have those conversations in a really respectful way. Um, lawyers, because again, they don't share the risk with clients, they've never been good at having that cost conversation. They've never been good about understanding what a client's budget is, equally, never been good about revising their um, estimates. Um, and again, it's just the expectation well, I'm the lawyer, that's how long it took. You've got to pay for that. At Law Square, we have a big emphasis on pricing, as you already uh, have outlined. We believe in a pure value based billing model. Um, We do have a subscription-based legal services as well, which I can talk to you separately. Um, But certainly if we just take the fundamentals of value-based billing, we consider a number of factors. So, you know, what is the piece of work? What are the resources required for that? What is the level of expertise and experience that is required for that? What is the urgency for the client? What is the client's budget? Um, And just those five factors alone allow you to come up with a bit of a, uh, a framework for then how you would scope and price a matter we spend a lot of time in understanding the scope of work. So just like any other, you know, a building uh, construction, for example, or um, if you're building an application, you know, you come up with a very clear scope of work. Law firms are not very good about this, you know, for your matter, we estimate it to be thirty to $50,000. Where for us, it's like every single step of the process is articulated in the scope of work. We invest a lot of time in our proposals because we want to be very clear and transparent with our client around what that engagement looks like. Um, So it takes some time. um, And is it harder? Definitely. But is it more rewarding? And do you have a better client relationship at the end of it? Absolutely. And so, again, looking at all those factors... We also have a pricing council internally at LawSquared. So what that means is that all of our lawyers go through quite a rigorous uh, pricing training program when they join the business. We have a lot of refreshers throughout the year to ensure that people are keeping up to date in terms of their value-based pricing methodologies. Um, We then of course submit all of our proposals or scope of works to a pricing council. That is a real-time pricing council. So it's not like it meets once a day or something. Um, It happens in real time. and what that allows is somebody else in the business, other than the person who took the instructions from the client, to look at it with a clean set of eyes and say, if this was to go to somebody in the client that isn't necessarily familiar and all they're seeing is a price, is it going to be clear to them the value proposition that they're receiving? So it may be a piece of work that's $5,000, for example. If me as an independent person, not really having any context, understanding what has been put forward... And that's a yes or no answer. And if it's a no, then adjusting that accordingly. If it's a yes, then of course being approved. What that also does is, again, allows different people to see how everybody else is pricing, but ensure that there is consistency and independence within the firm. One thing, again, I don't think lawyers are very good at is those checks and balances internally, because as lawyers, we like to think we're always right. And so the idea that somebody may tell us that we may not be right um, can be a little confronting. But an environment where you are protected, where you are encouraged, to learn a true feedback loop. Um, again, it's a very rewarding experience. And for the client, ensure that it's very clear what engagement they're having and the fee in which they're paying. for One step further to that is people always say, oh, you can't fix fee litigation or you can't fix fee corporate transactions. That's garbage. And people say that because that's where law firms make most of their money in those two areas because it's easy to say to a client, oh, we've got this urgent application and that took us so much more uh, time or this came out, and we weren't expecting that. And so that's when they're able to run the clock and able to make a lot of money. And so there's always this fear if we can work out a way to fix fee this space, then we actually might lose some money. Um, but again, the person who loses or the business that loses is the client, never the law firm. So, how do you go through a risk sharing exercise with the law firm? Sorry, with the client. So it's very clear about the engagement and giving them comfort from their cost exposure as well.
1: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing a little bit about how this works. And so I'm curious to know how technology or how the operations uh, are streamlined to allow that to run smoothly. So the lawyers are scoping. You have a pricing council who's checking. If it's a yes, then it's being sent to the client. I'm sure the clients appreciate so much the time you put in the proposals. Uh, Yeah. I'm sure it must look completely different to what anything else they have seen. Um so tell us a little bit, yeah, about the technology of the operations. Uh, hmm. what role does uh, does it have in uh, in the way the legal business model is actually uh, operated? and uh, and how is it ultimately bringing more value to the clients?
2: Yeah, great question. So um from day one, we've always relied on technology because we wanted to have. Uh, A distributed workforce, so allowing our people to effectively work wherever, whenever. Um, Like I said before, we have offices in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, London. Jurisdiction dictates where you sit, not the work that you do. So, as a result of that, we need technology to be excellent and we need to really rely on the technology systems we are using because myself, who I'm based in Sydney at the moment, a colleague of mine who's in London, we may be working on the same matter. We need to have access to the same amount of information so that we can advise our clients in real time. So if I'm here advising the same client and she's dealing with their UK counsel in real time, technology therefore is critical. We also wanna rely on as much automation within the business as we can. Unfortunately, lawyers and law firms love to buy from other lawyers and other law firms. And so most of the legal practice management softwares that exist out there are built by lawyers for lawyers. And as we've already identified, maybe lawyers aren't actually the best at running businesses. And therefore they're probably not the best at some of the technology in which they create as well. We therefore have adopted general business type of technology platforms. And we have uh, been teamed up with the team of Salesforce. And so we use Salesforce within our business um, and not as a traditional CRM. We actually use it from lead management, proposal management, matter management, invoice management, and that full loop and cycle. Most people, certainly uh, even traditional businesses, would use Salesforce purely for its CRM capability. Um, Law firms, I don't think, would even remotely think about uh, Salesforce, let alone a CRM capability, because they rely on their lawyers and individual balance sheets to, um, I suppose, connect with their clients. For us, we therefore have a number of integrations throughout that process. And so, like you said, um, our proposal process um, is pretty beautiful, if I'm honest. It's not a 30-page document, cost disclosure, here are all the disclaimers. It's a really beautiful visual document, um, which is integrated, of course, with our technology system. So if I'm issuing your proposal, you accept that via the link, automatically signed. It then, at the back end for me, automatically generates a new matter, automatically cross-signs it, um, sorry, allows for the signing of a cost disclosure agreement. You know, the records of all of that are saved in the matter. All of that is done automatically as opposed to that traditional multi-step approach prior to even opening up a matter. Um, that entire engagement is wholly online. It's very beautiful um, and very much, I think, provides a lot of comfort to a client, particularly if they're engaging us for the first time, on what a different way in which they're engaging with the law firm looks like. And that's just from the visual aspect, let alone the actual execution of the work. But if you can create a really seamless onboarding process, particularly for corporate clients, it becomes a much easier and nicer engagement as you go along.
0: Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. If you enjoy this podcast, visit LegalCreatives.com now and be part of the world's greatest legal design innovation platform. Get access and be coached on the most innovative methods, mindsets, and techniques and be part of a community of 10,000-plus legal professionals who come together across the world to transform their legal services and documents to create the most fulfilling legal practice and experience the most epic learning journey of their lifetime all part of Legal Creatives membership, a community and a platform that is essential to any legal professional who want to transform their practice, build better brands and win new customers creating the legal services of the future today. Go to LegalCreatives.com now to get started. Or if you're already on this journey, visit your platform to keep growing. Welcome back to our conversation.
1: Talking about branding, um, it's so interesting because Law Squared, you have recently rebranded couple of months ago, I believe, uh, we kept the name, but had a tagline, uh, human-centered law. I believe yeah. uh, before that, it was, uh, it was something different. I uh, don't remember what it was. But uh, tell us a bit more about the decision to rebrand and the decision to rebrand using human-centered law. I'm so curious to know because we're obviously uh, working in the field of legal design. It's all about mm-hmm. human-centered design. So tell us more about why did you make that brand uh, change or upgrade yeah. or, or shift? And how has it helped you move forward with your business and your vision?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So um, I think we'll pull back a step, which is traditionally we have this title of new law as a concept that is uh, a, a different type of business model away from the traditional law firm. As you said, there's a lot of legal technology uh, providers, a lot of like small boutique firms or individual solo practitioners who are now using the term new law as if it's a bit of a badge of honor. But it has also, I think, clouded what is new law in this space. And it can mean one of many things. Um, As a result of that, we found it really important that we wanted to create a new category. We, We wanted to be the leaders of a category. And what was that category going to be away from new law? Because I think, yes, it has some form of resonance, but actually it's not a true reflection of who we are as a business. And for all the reasons I've said before, um, you know, we just don't have anybody else like us of our size globally. And so how do we start to create a new way for law firms of the future to look to us as a bit of a, um, I suppose, example of how they could look? So human-centered law is really about a new category. We know about human-centered design. You're obviously an expert in that space, uh, which I'm not going to classify myself as an expert at all. But there are so many elements of human-centered design that are not synonymous with law, but they should be. And so think We've taken those elements and we've said, actually, at our core, we are a human-centered law firm. And what we believe is in human-centered law in the approach of taking the person first from a lawyer perspective, change their engagement, change their perception of being a lawyer, and as a result of that, change the engagement that clients have, whether they're corporate clients or otherwise, with their lawyer in a really human-centered way. It's taking all those key values that we believe of empathy, respect, um, transparency really to its core and bringing that to the forefront of our client engagement. And I think very much those clients who engage with us can see that real change in the engagement right from the beginning. And if you think about that seamlessness, the beauty of it, I know that sounds bizarre when we talk about documents that are beautiful, but you will respect that because I know that's what you love to do every day, which is to create things that are beautiful and meaningful and are easy for a client to understand and read. And that's very much at our core as a business, all the way through to our documents or our engagement with the client we want it to be a really good process Um, and so really human-centered law is about um, a new category a different way of thinking about us as a business but equally a different way of categorizing all those key elements that we think are important for a future fit law firm but i think importantly they must embody all those values and characteristics of human-centeredness whether that's in design or law for i think a business of the future
1: Yeah, that's great. And um, obviously, I'm such a fan of that. So I'm a bit biased because I'm all about human-centered design. But uh, it's so great that you started with a vision and eventually uh, bringing technology, uh, talent, uh, uh, processes, operations all together with a nice branding, a new branding. And... um, and uh, tell us a little bit uh, now that you have explained some of the core components of Flow And we're so grateful mm-hmm. for the opportunity to learn from you, Dimitro. So thanks again mm-hmm. for sharing all of that. Uh, I'm sure there are many uh, of our audience who's listening and who's thinking, "Wow, this is so, this is so amazing," uh, and maybe they they just don't know how to start. So let's take an example of uh, maybe someone who. You know, let's take two like personas, the, 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 mm-hmm. someone who would like to start from scratch. And I think that's what, that's what you did, right? I think you were working previously in a law firm. Eventually you decided to create your own. What would be yeah. a, an advice or something you, you would tell someone who wants to start from scratch, whether they are uh, they are just getting started in the profession or whether they're more experienced? And mm-hmm. what about someone who's already in a law firm uh, who would like to drive change? What would be some practical tips you would give them?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um- Lawyers by their nature are risk adverse, right? So it it often makes them very difficult to jump into something head first. For me, I say there was no change management required in our business because I started by myself from day one with nothing. I got a computer, I got a mobile phone, and I was like, this is the law firm that I want to create for the future. And what are the steps that I can take to do that? I wasn't hinged or tied to any of my previous experiences. I took the good, took the bad, and developed what I thought was going to be a law firm that I would want to work in if I was starting my career again, and obviously providing that opportunity for future lawyers of the profession, which I'm really proud that we have now a team of 40 to be able to share this kind of culture and experience with. For lawyers who are already in existing law firms and are going through that change management, I feel sorry for them because that's such a difficult process to do. It's not to say that it can't take place, but it's so hard, particularly if you're not at an equity partnership level in that traditional model. Because again, there is very little incentive on equity partners to make an investment of change in the business. Even simple things like moving paperless, for example, which to me, we don't have any paper in this business. So I never even thought about you know the paper costs or what it's like to still manage paper every single day. But I know that there are firms who are just trying to make that incremental shift away from paper-based working, for example. COVID, of course, helped accelerate some of those changes. Um, But forgetting business model shifts, even just the simple things like moving away from paper, has taken a long time. The simple shifts of leveraging technology like this to be able to connect with your clients in real time, to save time in going to meetings, et cetera, has also been a big shift for a lot of those firms who believe that there is face-to-face interactions that are important, but also because that's how they make their money based on the time that he spent getting to the meeting, being at the meeting, coming back. Remember the traditional model does not reward efficiency. And that is one of the biggest fundamental flaws in it if we think about that client engagement overall. So what do I say for the lawyer who's currently within a law firm, really work with your equity team, your equity partner team, and be sure that they're along this journey with you, that they want to see changes for the future. If your equity partners are the ones that want to see a firm that is fit for the future, that is willing to make the investments in shift to technology, a business model shift and understanding that there is a better way of working, then great. You also have to respect that equity partners have worked a long time and very hard to get there, they have often spent a lot of money to get there, and there is resistance for change at that point. Don't keep bashing your head against the table, try and find an alternative, or in fact, carve your own path. I'm... Understanding that it was just us that is of this size, but there are lots of other law firms now who are also trying to create a different way. And it's a wonderful thing because ultimately it means we're providing better cultures and better environments for our lawyers to stay in the profession and to not leave the profession. As I said before, we have so many lawyers who leave the profession because of all those reasons. It's incumbent on all of us who are in the profession in some form to keep lawyers in and give them a better experience and equally then again change the conversation that people are having about lawyers. If we then think about from the person who's looking just to jump out and start again and you know kind of start with a clean slate they really need to think about what are the things that are going to make me different what are the things that fundamentally will make my clients want to engage with me and how can i engage with them in a much better and seamless way that will effectively get them to leave their traditional practices or the ones that they're working with and come to me often lawyers who jump out of their practices and go into the, a new practice that they start themselves, just assume that by reducing their cost, clients will follow. That's actually not right. Clients will not only follow costs, they want to follow reputation. They want to follow certainty. They want to follow something that is going to actually make a difference to their business. And money is not going to do that alone. And it's a common issue that we certainly see here in Australia, um, a partner who leaves a traditional practice to start their own, They go, oh, well, I'm currently at a mid or top-tier law firm. I'm $800 an hour. If I start my own business, I have none of those overheads. I'll charge $500 an hour. That goes straight to my pocket. Often clients won't actually follow that in time because there are limitations there. So it's about understanding why it is that you want to change. Do you have to create your own business? or Is there already somebody out in the market who is doing something good, something different, and that you can join along that mission? If I think back to when I started this business, there was nobody else out there doing what we do. And in fact, even now, there is no one of our size doing what we do. Now we have a number of other businesses. So whenever I get lawyers who reach out to me and say, hey, let's start my own business, I always say, why? Why is it? Because there are already so many other good businesses now, law firms, that operate in a different way that really should be teaming together to really create impact. If we have a whole lot of small firms, we're never really going to challenge the bigger players in the space, who cause so much of the cultural challenges that we are talking about today and why so many of us have left the profession. What we need is equivalents of mid-top-tier law firms in the future who are different to really change the status quo. And whilst I respect it's going to take time, rather than starting your own business, my recommendation is try and find other firms like Law Squared who are doing things differently, who are genuine about why they do things differently and see how you can work with them to create bigger impact in the future.
1: Yeah, those are really golden nuggets there. Really love that. And I think uh, the fact that uh, you say the existing uh, legal structure, the traditional way of uh, running a law firm uh, does not necessarily provide any kind of incentive to change. But as you said, there may be a possibility someone who, you know, someone who may uh, want to leave a a legacy that is going to be more modern, you know, 21st century law. Um or, or start your own thing or, or just ally with others. Uh, on this journey, you must have la- learned so much. I mean you started as you said with your just your laptop and a cell phone and uh you know, I, I would imagine lots of uh lots of grind and hard hard work in the beginning. There must have been so many things yeah. you have learned, right? <laughs> yeah,
3: for
2: sure.
1: Uh, What is one thing that you've learned that surprised you? Maybe you didn't expect to learn or something you didn't expect on the journey and how did you grow out of it?
2: Yeah, I mean, gosh, there's so many lessons every day still, you know, and yes, we are seven years old and at 40, but I'm still learning myself and I'm still trying to understand what that buying cycle shift requires in order for us to have greater impact as a profession. I'd say one of the biggest challenges that we have is just the, um, you know, we joked about it earlier, actually, just the, um, I suppose, the market confidence and understanding that actually there can be a different way. Spent a lot of time justifying our pricing model, for example, when really everybody has been talking about a fixed fee model or a cost certain model. But when we say we don't record time internally, people just, they're not sure how to think because yes, there are firms who offer fixed fee but they still record time internally and measure that fixed fee against the time, for example. It's been a big shift to actually showcase not only to our Australian clients, but also to global clients around that there is a true alternative to the traditional law firm model. And that has taken time to build. Again, it's taken us seven years to be of a size, where we can actively compete against some of the mid and top two law firms of um, certainly this country it's taken time to offer them and showcase there is a true alternative to the traditional model. Um, And that would be one of the biggest challenges I think that we have, which is showcasing that there is an option, that there is a difference, and that we are genuine in the way in which we practice and that we are different. And it's not until we start to explain these things like no time, no hierarchy, focusing on client outcomes, but truly delivering upon those things do clients start to realize that. And then once they engage, the referral piece from there is just tremendous. If I tell you that almost 100% of our work comes from referral um, clients in terms of in-house counsel, speaking to other in-house counsel, it's a big part of um, our referral network. That's only because they can see that there is a difference. They can see that they wish before they left private practice, there was a firm that they could have gone through rather than leaving the profession because for all the reasons why most lawyers leave private practice, we exist. And that I think is taking longer than I probably realized or appreciated. But also it takes time, and I've respected now that it does take time to build that credibility, build that brand trust. So people like you who are on the other side of the world to me still know who you are, still believe in our model and support it. And that's a pretty remarkable story. And it's taken us, though, six, seven years to get to that journey. So whilst it's kind of like that slow incline, I can certainly see over the next 7, 10, 15, 20 years, just a really um, sharp increase in not only exposure, but also in terms of client connectivity, Because as we continue to grow, our clients continue to support us. And as a result of that, it becomes less of a difference. Um, And I think moving away from difference is definitely one of the biggest challenges that we've had as a business. And again, it's because we don't have others to kind of say, oh, we are like them, because there isn't. We know that there are smaller firms saying, oh, we are like them, being us, which is great for them. But we don't have that. And so for us, it's continuing to push the boundary in terms of being that first leader in this space, which is really exciting. And again, I hope creates generational change, not only for lawyers in Australia, but hopefully lawyers globally as
1: well. Yeah, that's so awesome. I love that. And I believe in the legal design space, we can relate so much to what you say. You know, uh, people asking questions, what do you mean, legal design? Uh, what is it? How does it work? Why should I care? And uh, mm. constantly having to explain what is it, how it worked, the benefits. Uh, I think recently you have also decided to sort of uh, make your model available at a larger scale with this low squared as a service, right? Would you like yeah. to briefly mention what it is? Because I find it really interesting and I'm curious to know uh, how does it work and who can benefit from that?
2: Yeah, for sure. So low squared as a service is effectively our version of a contracting placement or second D model, but it's a far superior offering. So What it does is it allows our team to act as an extension of an in-house counsel team, particularly in the place of either um, uh, short-term or long-term kind of leaves, uh, or if there are recruitment gaps and challenges, or if there are skills gaps and challenges within a legal team. If we think that most of our clients are in-house counsels, so they're large corporate clients who are looking to redirect their legal spend away from their traditional law firms, they can engage our Law Squared as a Service model, which is effectively like a relationship management model. What does that mean in practice? It means that rather than Tessa, you being the lawyer who's seconded from law square into you know ABC company it means you'll be the relationship manager in ABC company you'll leverage all of our lawyers at law square to deliver the outcomes for them. So rather than you having a commercial skill set and you're going into a business only offering commercial skill set You, as a Law Squared as a Service relationship manager, can go into a business and you can offer privacy advice, technology advice, employment advice, corporate advice, because you get to leverage all of our lawyers to deliver that for the client in a really cost-effective manner. So there's our subscription model that is a monthly subscription fee, uh, which can be on a six or 12-month engagement with our clients. All large global clients um, are are using that model as a true alternative to that secondee placement or contractor model. Again, they get cost certainty. It costs about the same of having a full-time resource within the business, but effectively gives them so much more depth and breadth in the skills that they can achieve. Again, one of the benefits of that is not only the cost certainty, but the relationship that we get to build with that client by being in their business, by liaising with their key stakeholders internally, and having a really good understanding from the inside as opposed to being outside. It means we shift the conversation from not being an external legal advisor, but actually being an internal legal resource and support for that business. So our law square as a service model was launched in kind of twenty nineteen. There was a lot of reservation about it when we launched it because most in house counsel teams felt that they needed a resource, and that resource needed to be in the office with them. Of course, as we know, COVID came along twenty twenty. Everybody was remote. Everybody was distributed, um, and people had to think about doing things differently. And so as a result of that, over the two and a half years since we launched that, it has just had a tremendous rise and is a big part of our business now because businesses understand and certainly really now understanding our business model, go, wow, I can get so much more access and information to lawyers uh, and so much more support at the cost of effectively one resource, which is a really unique model. And we haven't seen others offer it in that way. But again, understanding that we don't have that time-based model, so there's no competitiveness that some of the traditional firms who are selling hours in a model like this have, because then for us it's not about hours it's about outcomes and so how do we truly partner with a client to deliver the outcomes that they need as an additional resource in their business
1: that's so awesome really love that and uh, so happy to hear that you know in some ways the fact that we were all forced to work remotely and distributed helped also with the adoption of those mm-hmm. innovative approach and business models or services So really great, really awesome stuff, Uh, Dimitro. I can't wait for the, I don't know if this is something else you're gonna come up in the coming years for sure. I think now the goal is to expand. You have expanded in London. Uh, What is your next project? I don't know if you can disclose uh, something.
2: Uh, Yeah, London is the project at the moment. So we launched into London in July of 2022. Um, Our focus has been working with Australian businesses that are in the UK uh, and UK businesses that are global businesses, but have a presence in Australia. It's how do we offer them real-time jurisdictional support in both countries. Um, certainly a lot of the companies we are working with at the moment is around privacy, GDPR, advice and support, audits, compliance, um, and then, of course, managing employees. So we have cross-border companies. Uh, and then the third piece is around that kind of corporate commercial work, whether it's trans- transactional support or just general like agreement support where you have an Australian company engaging with a UK company uh, and needing some dual uh, advice on that. Um, the UK is definitely a great opportunity for us. Uh, as you may know, it's uh, Australia's fourth largest trading partner. There's a lot of business that happens between Australia and the UK. Um, obviously, common law, uh, legal systems is helpful for us as well. Um, but it also means that there are just so many Australians uh, who go to London, even from a lawyer perspective, because they try and find those new um, experiences and options. So it's a really exciting time for us. We're expanding our team there. We've um, had a couple of recruits um, in London and a really good opportunity for us to showcase um, to a much bigger market, how you can do law differently. Um, And I think we're just going to continue our focus on that over the next few years. The other big thing that has obviously happened uh, this year has been the launch of our digital and innovation um, practice group. So that has been again, focusing on legal operations, legal technology, and to an element legal design in that we are helping create better systems and frameworks for our clients. And our clients actually also include law firms in that scenario where law firms are engaging us to help them work through a better way of using and leveraging technology. But equally, we also have in-house counsel teams, global in-house counsel teams come to us and have them help. And we are helping them around understanding the legal technology and legal operations landscape because it is so confusing. There are so many players in the space globally trying to do very different things. But like we said before, lawyers love to sell to lawyers and aren't necessarily the best at technology. And we already have so many great tools that are available and that businesses are already using. So Microsoft and all of its suite is so powerful, yet we actually just don't leverage it in the legal kind of world. You know, we have great teams who use it for everything else, our apps, Power BI, all these things that lawyers just glance their eyes over, but it's so critical to the way in which they extract data, use data, and again, can be used in a legal team, but they're not. Salesforce, another really powerful tool, there are a number of businesses that we know that their sales team use Salesforce, yet their legal team use some other legal operations platform. They actually don't use the existing and same platform. So how can we help them understand and integrate their systems and platform to be much more efficient, much more transparent, and again, get data-driven insights? So between London and our digital innovation practice, I think we've got more than enough to uh, keep ourselves goodies for the next little while.
1: Oh, that's so amazing. Congratulations on the launch. I'm sure it's going to be a really successful uh, initiative. It is already. And uh, I love the fact that you are sort of uh, giving back and helping the community also, uh, you know, learn from your experience and uh, use some of the strategies uh, and adapt them Mm -hmm. for their own needs. Uh, How can we best reach out to you, Dimitro? Let's say the audience wants to connect with you. What is the best way for them to reach out?
2: Yeah, I mean, reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, send me an email. I'm more than happy to have a chat with anybody. Um, Like I said, I'm very transparent. I'm very... um, about what we do at Law Square because I want others to follow this. And it's not about kind of preserving all that IP because I know that if we can be the leaders and have other people follow in our footsteps and get more alternative uh, or different options for buyers and for lawyers, then it's going to create a much more stronger, I think a much more engaged legal profession of the future and have somebody who didn't necessarily have the best experience as a private practice lawyer, knowing many other lawyers who don't have very good private practice experiences. I find it really is our obligation to change that narrative and to change that option because if we can create a better experience for lawyers, then of course we can create a better experience for clients. So so yeah, please reach out, LinkedIn, email, jump on our website. Um, More than happy to have a chat, more than happy to connect. uh, and more than happy to see how we together can help change the conversation that people have about lawyers.
1: That's so awesome. Well, thanks so much for your availability today to share on the podcast. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned so much and I look forward to saying uh, what you're gonna do this year and the years uh, to come with Low Squared. So congrats on all your initiatives. And thank you once again for tuning in on the podcast and sharing your story.
2: Thanks so much, everyone.
3: If you like the Legal Creatives podcast, take the next step, become a Legal Creatives member. Imagine being coached on the most innovative methods, mindsets and techniques that successfully and effectively transform legal services into experiences client love, recommend, and use again and again. When you access the platform, you don't just access courses, but create a career where you feel more fulfilled, more productive, and become more profitable. You also become part of a community of legal professionals who are the most supportive, Incredibly dedicated individuals to transforming legal services. Get access today to a community and a platform that is essential to any legal professional who want to transform their practice, build better brands and win new customers, creating the legal services of the future, today. Go to LegalCreatives.com slash now to get started. Or if you're already in this journey, visit your platform to keep growing.